It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there guys, we are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. This is Mick Strahan. I'm a production designer. I've been around forever. I design effects and all kinds of stuff. And you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast. Well, black coat, white shoes, black hat, Cadillac, yeah, he runs time bomb with my ass, boys. Welcome to Hashtag WBW, Way Back Wednesday. And these are the chronicles of Steve Tanner. Why Tanner this week, Jamie? I'll tell you that in a minute. First off, bravo. Thank Bravo. you, sir. That was Thank very, you. very clever. <laughs> why Steve Tanner this week, you ask? Well, we don't need a reason. Quite frankly, we really liked this interview, so we're going to give it to you in one of the final Way Back Wednesdays, baby. I can't believe we're almost done. It's a bit weird. It's very weird. <laughs> it's like, what are we going to do for Wednesday now? You know, in a couple of weeks, we're, we're finished. So it's like, ah, Jamie. Um <laughs> But yes, this interview is from all the way back in July of 2020, and it's just an absolute belter. Uh, we talked to Steve. Obviously, he runs Time Bomb Comics in Birmingham, so hence, uh, hence the rancid um, reference there. I thought it would be very appreciated. And if you say Birmingham, Jamie comes. So, you know, it's pretty much it's just, yeah, it's just uh, it's just how it works around here. But uh yeah, so we talk about Steve and how he created Time Bomb, the, you know, all the publishing they do there, all about the shop, the comic. It's going to be, it's amazing. It, it's one of those interviews where you go, you just need to listen to it for yourself. There is, though, there is now absolutely no video left. Nope. Every way back now will be audio only, but it will be available on YouTube, but it's be those weird wavelengthy things when you speak. Yeah, pretty much. But no, this is an awesome conversation. Steve, as... Tom just said, runs Time Bomb Comics, independent comic publisher based out of Birmingham, baby. But what I love about the fact is he's not just used this to release his own books. He's given other people a platform. Like if you go on the Time Bomb website, you can submit your own comic books. And if they like it, they'll help you and publish it, which I think is absolutely amazing in a world where anyone, especially as comics is such a big thing in the world now, people go like, I want to try and do this. It's a great helping hand to people. But Steve himself is currently releasing episode sorry episode book six of his flintlock series it's currently in kickstarter it's almost done i believe i think it's hit all of its goals and it's just looking for stretch goals now um these books he really sells them to in this like they sound amazing the set in the 18th century featuring highwaymen pirates all that sort of stuff there ain't no superheroes around here it's nice history comic books it's pretty damn cool wonderful um but yeah this is just the one that you have to listen to enjoy uh, and just check out. And uh, this is one that I certainly don't remember too much of. So I'm going to look forward to listening back to this. It's going to be a, it's going to be a belter. Jamie, yes, sir. Any final words? Thank you very much, Steve. It was great to actually meet you uh, not long ago at the Comic Con. Although I'm not 100 convinced you remembered me. 
but it's fine. I'll let you off, sir. <laughs> it's great to meet you. Isn't it? Thank you so much. Good luck with Flintlock. I hope he absolutely smashes it with his kickstart goals. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Steve, thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. Sir. We really did enjoy it thoroughly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these are the Chronicles of Steve Tanner. So, uh, I'm Tom, by the way. Lovely to meet you. Um, I know that we can't see each other, but uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on here. So, thank you for actually joining us. How's, uh, how's lockdown been treating you? Oh, for the most part, it's, it's, it's been pretty much, I guess, business as usual because I um, most of the time I w- I'm working from home anyway. So um, the, the, only, the only real difference is is not being able to kind of uh, go out so much. And I guess the big impact for me is, has been um, all, the, all the shows and all the conventions stopping because um, that's, that's obviously one of the main ways which I um, kind of interact with members of the public and, um, and promote my books or that kind of stuff. So that's been that that's been the only real noticeable difference the actual kind of being in the four walls that hasn't been too bad um it, it's it's just um it's just a very strange and surreal year we're living through isn't it um and you know it gets even weirder i mean i saw a couple of hours ago that kanye west is now announced he's going to be president of america, president of america. so uh, so uh, 2020 is still full of a lot of surprises it seems it's just meant welcome to level seven of jumanji <laughs> i don't understand what's going on to be honest with you it's been crazy and it's almost you almost don't want to see what august september and the rest have to offer to be honest with you um yeah the world stopped and just went absolutely mental so i'd rather rock go for president to be honest <laughs> yeah I was, I was thinking who who could they possibly get to do a worse job than the current guy and here he comes <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is he'll probably get in <laughs> could you imagine like the presidential debates between those two though be absolutely oh. amazing wouldn't it <laughs> yeah well well anyway as i probably should introduce yourself to the audience um welcome to superhero bar fight mr steve tanner thank you nice to be on here (laughs) (laughs) well what i like to do is instead of me tell everyone what you do why you're here why you're on the show and everything please just introduce yourself tell us tell us about yourself tell us what you do etc Okay, well, um, I said I'm Steve, um, and I um been involved in comics for a long, long time. Um, but I'm probably best known for Time Bomb Comics, which um started up in um, September 2007, and has been going since then. Um, Time Bomb Comics was pretty much set up originally uh, as a vehicle to kind of promote some of my own work, um, but it's evolved in, into something now, which uh, as well as featuring my work, um regularly features the works of, of other um, artists, writers and creators. Um, I'm based in Birmingham and um, the, yeah. the reason I kind of um, did Time on Comics in the first place, because I went to a convention in Birmingham in, um, in, in 2006, 2006 um, and I came away kind of determined to kind of do, to, to, to be behind a table and um, doing my own comics like I'd seen other people do there. So one year later, um, that's that, that's where I was. I was I was at the um, a 2007 show also in Birmingham. It was the first um, big show, I think. Um, and since then, it's it's, um, it's grown from there. So currently, um, I'm probably best known creatively for um, doing the uh, the Flintlock um, ongoing anthology series, all set in the 18th century, um, and also kind of other kind of books which have that kind of historical adventure slant um but also um books like brawler um bomb scares um you know um and, and just generally being a, i guess a, a, a face on the on the convention circuit when the convention circuit is actually up and running wonderful how's that for an intro ladies and gents <laughs> So you say you're from Birmingham, uh, obviously me, myself, I'm a fellow Brummie. Whereabouts in Birmingham are you from? Well, I've I've lived in Birmingham now, um, about coming up for coming up for ten years, I think. Um so I, I'm I live in um in Smethwick, which is northwest Birmingham. My condolences. Um, so <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but you know, before before then I, I was in um I, I was in Leicester for a couple of years. Um previous to that I've spent 
um, a few years working abroad as well. Um, I, I spent five years working in India, seven years in in Germany. Um, you're in Thailand and all kinds of places. But in all through those, those kind of places I've been, the, the one constant has been my um, fascination and love of comics. That's amazing. What, um, what, what, sorry, carry on, Tom. No, that's what I was probably asking the same question, but what uh, took you to India and all this? Was that with work or was it traveling or what? Yeah, it was work. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up in, in, in South Wales. Um, I was born in Cardiff. Um, but then most, most, most of my, my, my kind of certain my teenage years uh, and into my um, early 20s before I started traveling, I was in um, uh, a little village, which is um, it's more a town really now, I think, um, which was um, just down the road from from Barry, which most people know from Gavin and Stacey. So just along from from, from there, really. Um, and it was um, I, I, I mean, at the time I was starting to kind of create comics, well, write comics because I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, I'm not an artist. Um, so that's where I really started kind of getting stuck into trying to write my own uh, comics um, and starting to develop scripts and characters. Um, and it was back then when I had my first kind of professional work. Uh, published, which is um, a short story in a, um, uh, a monthly called Crisis, which was published by Fleetway um, back in back in the 90s. Um, I, I think it was late 80s it came out, I think. Um, and I did. I just signed up um, at, at another uh, a short a, a kind of one shot that was eventually published by um, Atomica in the US. Um, and then I was I had an opportunity then to kind of go and work in Germany because um, I was working at um, I was working alongside the RAF at the time um, and I had to make a decision whether to go across to Germany um, and work there or or just kind of hang about and try carrying on breaking into comics um, and it was just instinct really I thought well actually I can go to Germany and I can still try and do the comic stuff um, as it happened I went across to Germany and shortly thereafter I think there was um comics industry kind of had one of his bubbles bursting um and there was a big kind of implosion so um it, it, it you know at the end of the day i kind of i think i probably made, made the right decision at the time but um i said i'd always followed comics all the way throughout um but then i hadn't actually created any comics myself then for for many years i mean this this was this would have been back in in, in 1991 when i went to germany um and then i went back went to the um the convention in 2006 so i had that big gap where i wasn't actually doing anything creatively but i was still very much um uh, a, a, a comics fan um so it was it was it was um it was great to get back into it in the end it, it was like putting on a really comfortable pair of slippers and you kind of think why why have i why have i put them left them at the back of the cupboard for so long when they're so comfortable um so, <laughs> so it's it, it, i mean it was a bit like that really so i kind of I, 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 um, I, I started off with kind of limited success and then I kind of, um, went off and did something else and then came back and tried to try to do it all again. That is awesome. And that was the question I was going to ask Tom. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I can read your mind. Don't want to do that. Um, where did your passion and love for comics come from? Is it something from childhood or? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, I think again, it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of a certain age, I guess. Um, you know, I, I'm in my fifties now, um, so I am one of the old boys on the circuit, as they say. Um, I was described as a veteran in in, in some kind of thing last year, and that really made me feel my age. But but, um, <laughs> was, um, but I mean, when I was growing up, it was weekly comics were just a standard thing. Um, there were there was just a, a plethora of weekly comics that were available at the newsagents, um, not just kind of one or two, not just things that's in plastic bags with, with with toy tat on them, just got loads and loads, dozens and dozens of different comics, um, and it was growing up in that environment where you'd always have a comic to read, um, and these weren't American comics; these these were the the the, the the classic British comics, um, you know, the, and the, this was in the time before 2000 indeed came along. Um, so it was all, all, all the, um, things like, you know, tiger and, and battle and action, uh, Victor, and then the humor comics, you know, monster fun and, um, you know, the buster and whoopee, all those kind of things. Um, 
and it, I think it, it's just something which I always had then had a comic to read. And then um, I remember walking into a, into a, a news agents, and this would have been in 1979. Um, and um, I saw there was a Spider-Man comic on the shelf, and it was called. It, and it was it was um, issue 311 of Spider-Man, the weekly Spider-Man comic. Um, and that was the first one which Des Skin had taken over Marvel UK with trying to like revamp it. So um, he did this thing called the Marvel Revolution where he kept basically revamped all the weekly titles. Um, and um, that was one of the first ones that, that he did. He did Spider-Man Weekly and then uh, he did Marvel, the Marvel comic, the weekly Marvel comic as well. And I remember buying those and just just really just that was it really um i mean i i kind of followed things like 2000 AD off and on and star lord um but it was it was that marvel weekly which really then just seemed to kind of grab my attention um and at the time there were there was it, i mean what he'd done in retrospect he, he just hacked down all these um american comics and he, he shortened all the artwork so he'd crammed about nine nine or ten different um, american monthlies into a weekly comic um but he, he, each issue took ages to read because you know he, he he just filled it up with content um and then of course at the same time he was doing all that hucksterism thing which of course stan lee used to do by you know come and join the marvel revolution and having the says dares weekly columns that kind of stuff and um i guess i was at that age where you know, I was I was uh, I think eleven, uh, and I, I was just sucking into the whole thing. And over the next just few years, and then I, I was pretty much hoovering up everything that Marvel UK put out, um, and that led then into um, discovering more of the um, the American comics, um, and then from that, then uh, discovering then comics fandom, um, and then. Um, you know, it's like crack cocaine, isn't it? It really is. You kind of start off on <laughs> on the light stuff, and then and then before you know it, you're you're, you're mainlining in the uh, in the British indie indie press. You know, small press, black and white comics. Um, so, and, and that's it. it. It's never gone away. Um, and at the time, there was like you know, there, I knew a couple of people who who were also in, into comics, but they kind of drifted away. Um, but I just stuck with it. Um, through you know and, and they, they've just always it's always been a constant now um and, and and that and you know in many ways you you kind of um and it was very common for people to hear like a fami- like a familiar song and it, it places you in a particular place or i have the same kind of thing with issues of comics so particular comic issues i will i will remember where i was or what I was doing at that time, um, and they—they've—and it's be, become such a part of my life, such a huge part of my life, in so many ways. Um, it's um, it, transformative. It is describes it too lightly, really. Um, I, I, it's just—it's just given me a passion for the whole medium, um, the history of comics, the content of comics the appreciation of comics that's um that's never gone away and the people i've met through comics have, have, have been wonderful um I've, I've made some really really great friends through comics and and long may it continue that was amazing that was oh that was wonderful i, I love the names of the old british comics like action battle and things like that they're just brilliant brilliant names <laughs> and you're saying met people i i um I know you know one of the people that we work with on this channel, uh, Shane Chebsey. Yes, yes, I've known Shane for many years. In fact, I think it was Shane who was one of the organisers of that first of that convention I went to that decided that I decided to kind of um, go and do away something myself. I think he he was part of the organising team for that. I certainly know he was part of the um, the, the, the Birmingham International Comic Show, which I think that first show evolved into for a couple of years. And of course, he does ice now as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. That was awesome. So, bringing us forward to 2006, did you say it was? 2007, with Time Bomb Comics. Yeah. So, where did the idea to start your own comic publishing company come from, especially, like, this unique approach of doing one-shots and stuff? It, it was it was literally going to that convention. Because, I mean, I'd been to conventions um, 
in in the UK before. I mean, until I went abroad, I, I used to regularly go to the annual UK Comic Art Convention in London, which is that kind of you know the annual mecca which which everyone used to go to. And for a couple of years after I, I, I went to Germany, I, I flew back to a couple of convention the, the, those those annual conventions as well. Um, and uh, but then they 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 kind of stopped. Um, and um, conventions, didn't, I think the conventions had just kind of stopped in the UK. And then by the time they started up again, I think I, I was I was over in in in, in Asia, um, so so far too far away really to kind of be part of it. So I'd um I, I'd I'd come be back in the UK for not long, a couple of years perhaps, maybe not even that long. And um, I saw this um this convention advertised in Birmingham and I was living, living in Leicester. So I thought, Oh, I only one of those a year. It's, you know, not too far away. Let's go. So, um, I went along. Um, and, and the thing that struck me was that when I went to the, when I was at the conventions before, you know, in the eighties and, and, and the early nineties, there was very much a, a, an obvious demarcation between the pros and, and, and the, and the kind of, um, the indie creators, you know, um, and you could tell from the even just the you know you pick you picked up one of the comics. You could tell from the format, the way it looked, the way the you know the way it was printed. It was definitely kind of like a small print run, like a almost like a, that fanzine stripzine type type feel, which was nothing wrong with that because I remember buying no, loads of those and I used to really enjoy them. Um, but suddenly I, I was in this environment where there was all these comics and, and they were. They, they could just stand head and shoulders alongside anything that you could see you would see in your local comic shop so you know the print quality was was just brilliant you know the the content was 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 outstanding they were they were kind of they were amazing things and, and i i just bought an armload armloads of this stuff you know i was only there for a couple of hours but i spent a fortune on i just came away with just this massive, massive pile of, of, um, of all these indie books from people like, um, you know, Accent UK were there and, and, um, and, um, Andy Winter was there and, and, you know, um, Jason Cobley was there, I think with, with, with his bulldog stuff. Um, and th- these were people, none of them I knew at the time. I know them all now, but at the time I didn't know, n- knew none of these guys were, but I thought that the, the stuff they were producing just blew me away. Um, and it was just, and it was it was that kind of moment. You have that that, that Damascus moment, and it that was it. Power. It was like I thought, right, I need to get back into this because I want to be doing this. Um, and it, it was coming. I remember coming away from that show, walking away with a determination that I was going to spend the next year putting something together, so I'd be back at that same show. But this time, when I went back, I would be the other side of the table, and I was selling my book. And that's what I did. So I spent that, you know, spent spent then the next few months pulling that together, um, and and that was the, the the first one shot, which I did called Ragamuffins, which is a little black and white comic, um, which was um, you know beautifully printed. The printing was lovely. Everything else about it was dreadful, but the actually was printed <laughs> lovely. <laughs> um, it really was. It was, and 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 I was there. That you know, back at, then I. I was there sat at the table selling it and it was a great thing to do. And it was, a, it was the whole thing was a learning experience. It really was. Um, but that was really what was the spark. And, um, but the, but the actual first comic, it was dreadful, really was bad, but, um, <laughs> but it was printed lovely. Um, yeah. And that was the spark really. That's what, that's what I set it off. But the nice thing about it, that even then, even though there was this, there was this. I t- turned up with this comic that looked really nice on the outside, but horrific as you as you, when you turned opened the cover up. Um, the people that I met at that show, you know, the people either side at me, the tails either side, and and the people walking around were so engaged and and just interested and supportive, and I think that was the thing as well, and that's been the one constant as well there is that been that whole sense of community um and that's never changed in the entire time that i've been i've been involved with time bomb um 
so it's great to actually be part of that community and also you have that kind of cyclical effect because obviously you know everyone starts somewhere everyone does that show if you know if you're a creator and you, and you actually put put a comic together you, you'd always have that moment where you're doing your you're sat behind the table for the first time um and what's been great over the years that i found myself at shows um next to people who basically were doing what i did you know they're there for the first time so it's been great to kind of engage with them and, and kind of support them and and be interested in what they're doing in the same way that people were interested in what i'm doing and i think that's one of the great things about um about indie comics um because it, it's, it's a really interesting medium really because certainly in if, if i was if i was a novelist um i i know that even today that this whole this whole thing with novelists that if they if they self-produce in their own novels it's some seen as some kind of vanity press thing um and and the mainstream publishers kind of peered down their noses in a bit of disgust that the the these 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 wannabe novelists putting out their own work the complete opposite has always been the way with comics now whether it's, it's from people like dave sim who who, who, did, who did cerebus and and even people like will eisner who, who did their own graphic novels before them but there's been this wonderful thing with comics that um if someone comes in and does it themselves it's not seen as a bad thing it's seen as a really cool great thing to do and it's almost aspirational um and i think there's that kind of sense with comics as well which is so it, it makes it really um, a great community to be a part of, I think. Well, I mean, I love the fact that you've got that whole family feel uh, with that and that everyone supports everybody else. I think that's absolutely amazing because I think that's rare to find these days um, in any industry. Uh, so what uh, what drew you? So is it like, is it the artwork? Is it just the fact that there's superheroes in it or story-based? Like what drew, with comics, what makes you go, oh, I'd really like to read that. Or I'd really like to read this. Well, I think it's like anyone else. My, my kind of taste has probably evolved a bit over the years anyway. I mean, I, I mean, for many, many years, I, I was a real kind of um, avid kind of um, superhero fan, uh, DC Comics, Marvel Comics, like, like, like a lot of people, I think. Um, so, but I was always, I mean, I was quite lucky because just as I was starting to get into comics in my, in my mid teens, kind of where you transition from, you know, the weekly comics then to, you know, going into, into something a little bit more um, harder and, and uh, uh, starting to read the US titles. It just happened to coincide with, with things like Frank Miller's Dark Knight um, and then Alan Moore arriving in. So I was lucky to kind of, kind of grow up in my teens, my teen, certainly my mid to late teens through the, these years where all this great stuff was coming out, at the, you know, for the first time, which is really redefining how comics could be. So I think from that, from even from that point, it was very much, um, being aware of how important a story was the comics rather than just the art. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, the, I think it was the first time seeing that a, um, a, a comics writer could be elevated to the same level of, 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 um, of, of praise and even more so perhaps than, than, than the artists. Cause before then it was pretty much all about the artists. It was the artists that really kind of drove all the fan interest. And suddenly we were, in, we were entering an environment where um, it was more, the 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 right that it was more writers were coming into the fold as well and it became more about the the, the whole creator kind of package um so i, I kind of followed i tended to follow i tended to follow writers more than anything else i think rather than artists so i, I you know i pretty much you know i followed up all the stuff that alan alan moore did and then people like grant morrison um and then um then um it's i'm trying to think of some of the others that i used to oh oh garth ennis of course um so garth ennis i think some of the stuff that garth was doing um and over the years how his style has changed that he went from stuff which was a little bit kind of you know he, he'd done stuff like judge dread that kind of stuff. but he's now doing gone doing war stories in the same vein as um you know that battle used to do but with a with a bit of a more of a more of a um a, a modern sensibility so as as i've continued to read comics i think i'll be more aware of some of the other things that, that are out there beyond superheroes um and i think for me it's always 
it's now very much story driven and I, I kind of think back to the comics I used to enjoy before um, I became a, a, a true believer Marvelite at age eleven, and it was it was stu- it was stuff like it was historical adventure stuff that I, I remember I, I used to really like reading, and that's the kind of stuff that I've kind of ended up gravitating towards myself, both creatively but also stuff I like to read. So if it's a, if it's some if it's a historical story. Um, or you know, it, it's that kind kind of kind of genre. I'll pick it up and I'll have a read of it. Um, I tend to read very few um, superhero comics these days. Straightforward superhero comics, very few. Um, the majority of stuff I read now is is indie stuff. And and tell me, that's probably part of the. Is a lot of that is probably because because I'm involved with with them. Um, with British indie comics. So you t- I tend to see a lot more of the British indie comics and have a more awareness of, of what creators are doing in that community. And, and of course I know a lot of them. So, and it's, it's always nice then to see what, what your mates are doing and, and to support some, of, some, some of the comics they put out. Um, so, most of the comics I get these days are not from um, the comic shop. Um, there, it's, it's through things like Kickstarter, because um, um, I get a lot of my comics now through Kickstarter, and I think so. I think, and again, it's a very varied and very wide range of stuff I get. Um, but I also like things like the um, these days the um, the European comics. So I'm a great fan of Cinebook, um, who who do the English reprints of um, classic european comic series so things like thorgal and lago winch um and things like that um so i really like those kind of things too but what drives it all is really uh, for me um the story it's got to be a great story um yes of course it, it 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 you know it needs to be drawn nicely as well but you know if, it, if it's just nice art and there's nothing to it it's, it's a very hollow reading experience mm. and i tend not to enjoy it then cool with Time Bomb, is, is, do you just release your own books or do you work with other writers and help publish their work as well? Oh, it's, it's a combination. Um, I mean, at, at the moment, um, we're, we're, move, we're moving to, um, over the next couple of years, um, the release schedule will be um, probably 70% will be uh, other writers and artists and and 30 percent will be will, will be written by me um and and that was always the you know that was always the in, intent um that it would i said it originally just as something that would showcase my own work but then slowly been able to kind of showcase others um so it you know with, with time i was very much not just it's not the, the steve tanner show um it really is an, a, a means to get other get other creators out there um and then the stuff that you know i publish if it's other creators work, it's stuff which, which I, I really like. And then that, that's, re- that's really the only tick box, tick box exercise. So if something comes my way and, and, and I think, Oh yeah, this is great. I'd like to publish it. Then, um, then I will. Um, I mean, a good example of that was, um, a book called defiant, which, um, came out a couple of years ago, um, which is, which is written by uh, Andy winter, which is, um, which is a Viking story. And it's based on, on, under true events of the Viking battle of Malden that took place in, uh, in Essex, um, where the Anglo-Saxons went up against the Vikings. Um, and it, it's, it's a, it's a brilliant story. It really is. Um, and so I was more than happy to put that out. And, um, so and with the anthology books in particular, that that's a huge, hu- you know, a, a full kind of cornucopia of different writers and artists. Um, and it, again, it's great to be able to do something which can get their work out there as well. Um, so it's not just certainly not just um, my work. Um, one of the, the nicest things is being able to kind of um, work with other writers and artists, creators, and and help them get their their work out there as well. That's awesome. That's really cool. So you've mentioned um, the ongoing series that you're doing at the moment, Flintlock. Yeah. So what what's that book about? Um, that, that's um, again, it's historical adventures, but it's all it's all all set in the 18th century. Um, so um, you know, all all the uh, it's an anthology book. So in in each in each um, the Flintlock books, there's going to be at least there's at least three different stories um, and each story is set in a different decade in the 18th century. Um, so, so they're all kind of, um, you know, standalone stories, but it's all within a, a shared timeline. 
So you can have a story that's set in 1725 having an impact on a story that's set in 1785, even though the characters in the stories may not actually encounter each other. I mean, one or two of them do cross over, um, but otherwise they, they kind of, they, they, they chug along in their own little settings in their, in their own little, little decades. Um, but it all kind of, it's all part of a, a, a bigger, a bigger patchwork, um, I suppose. Um, and really the idea behind Flintlock was, it was just, just kind of to, um, scratch a few personal itches really. Um, because the set, I mean, I, I mentioned Ragamuffins, which is the first book that, um, Tom Mob did, but the second one I put out, um, was um, was called Dick Turpin and the Restless Dead, which was, um, well, as it says on the tin, really, Dick Turpin the Highwayman fighting zombies, um, and it, I mean, it, it was, it was. I mean, and the idea was that I mean, because because Ragamuffins was this kind of um, you know science fiction time travel kind of dense kind of story, and I wanted to do something then which was completely different from that, um, rather than just seeing you know rather be some one trick pony and um and at the time this this would have been in 2007 and there, there if you remember there was a big zombie craze in comics that lasted a couple of years yeah. uh, and i remember sitting sitting down and and, and it was one of those conversations that started out as just a bit of a laugh um they were saying oh yeah we you know everyone's doing zombies now we should do well, we kind of all these crazy kind of think of some some versus zombies, uh, milkman fighting zombies, you know, you know, um, space and fighting zombies, and then and then I think I said highwayman fighting zombies, and it was literally I, I paused, like, oh yeah, actually that's a really cool idea, um, so um, <laughs> that's what we did. So so the sec so so the second second release was was Dick Turpin fighting zombies, Dick Turpin the Restless Dead, but that really that really really made a difference because that got far more attention than our first book i think partially because it was a much much more accomplished piece um than that first one um i mean that first the, the ragamuffins was where you know you, you it was the learning experience dick turpin was where you know you'd taken the stuff that you'd learned and you started applying it um and um but the but as part of that i um did some research on the on the real Dick Turpin, which um, I found completely fascinating. But at the same time, that research just opened up this kind of mad interest in the 18th century. And to the point where, you know, it turned me into an 18th century obsessive. I am nuts about the period now. I think it's brilliant. Um, and it was then kind of um, thinking a few years later, right, I need to do, you know, I need to do, a, do something what do I want to do? And I wanted to do, I thought, well, actually I want to do something with set in the 18th century. Um, cause that's what I'm really excited about. Um, so, th so that's where, where Flintlock came from. And, uh, and it was one of those things, cause you, you mentioned about, um, if, um, if time one was just for my work, but I mean, Flintlock came in, in part because, after i think from i think i'd wrote, written the first few books for time bomb until about 2011 and then from that point on for the next three years the only stuff we put out was was written and written by other people i hadn't written anything i was just publishing other people's work and i was at a convention in um in london i think it was one of the super cons um and um jasper bark i don't know if you know jasper but he's a horror writer he um he you know, I've, I've known him for a couple of years and he took me to one side and, and he, he kind of um, gave me a bit of a talking to um, and basically said, why, why have you stopped writing stuff? Why, why are you not, you know, do, writing comics anymore? And, and he was very friendly about it, but it, it was a bit of a kick up the arse. And um, I thought, actually, yeah, he's right. I should really, because I, you know, I, I, I do enjoy it. Um, so it, it was, it was that moment i thought actually yeah i'll do something else and i thought oh, i need to do something in the 18th century and then the final piece of the puzzle that puzzle was also at that same show where i was wandering around and they had one of these uh big american publishers over that only public that publish all these this tits and ass comics um there's <laughs> the best to describe them yeah <laughs> they're, they're awful, awful stuff yeah nicely drawn but just dreadful and um they <laughs> i were, don't think yeah, people are buying them for the stories to be fair oh yeah yeah of course yeah well, well you know it can't be for the features about cars because there's no features in them um but um <laughs> <laughs> but 
as part of this, they had this big massive display and they had all, all these um, slabbed comics um, which they were selling and um, which were their variant covers. So, and they were selling for £20 a pop. And um, there was this one variant cover and, all, and literally all it was was a close-up of this comic character's arse and it was just these, these, these like pink globes and that's it. That's all it was. <laughs> And it was like there was, there was nothing else, you know. Um, and people were buying them at twenty pound a pop, and I thought, oh, this is really bad. And and I, then I, I kind of suddenly realised, well, actually, yeah, this is this is just the way that you know women are portrayed in comics is a bit rubbish, really. So it'd be nice to do something which which I try to kind of push against that a bit, not in a kind of preachy way, but just kind of think, harkening back to you know the, the historical adventure comics. And of course, you know, although I, you know, when I was eight, nine, ten, whatever, I'd be reading um, Battle and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> there was loads of girls' weeklies as well, who always featured these historical adventure characters and really strong female characters. So it was a case of, oh, actually, so I could do something with proper female characters rather than just women with their tits out. Um, which is what a lot of the the kind of the way that comics seem to be presenting women a lot of the time. Um, so I thought, well, I could combine those, I could combine the 18th century and I could have female leads rather than male leads. So that was really how it came together. So the idea was that, um, with Flintlock, <coughs> excuse me, most of the, um, most of the, most of the lead characters are female, but they they, they, they act like women actually do rather than how maybe a 13 year old thinks women might act. And um, so, so they behave in a certain way that that's actually on point for, for the period, but you know, they're still kind of strong characters in their own right. So even the way the characters are presented, you'll never see, you know, um, Lady Flintlock, who's the hireman, you know, sat there in, in, in a corset um, or, 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 or with, with cleavage hanging out because, you know, women wouldn't have dressed like that in the 18th century, um, unless they unless they were unless they were they, they were they were prostitute, of course. Um, but um, it, it's it's trying to have that kind of um, I, I don't know, just pushing something back and just putting something in place, which I thought I'm sure if I do something which which isn't quite just just blokey, um, it can appeal to a wider audience as well. And what's been the nice thing about it because. You know, just before it was the first book was released, you have that kind of nervousness. Uh, so, have, have I, you know, am I doing something which is just purely like only only I'm going to be interested in, no one else is, you know? But what's the night been the nice thing about Flintlock is that it's built up a really um, strong uh, female audience of readers um, to the point I think about sixty percent of the readership is female. Um, and the nice thing about that is 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 that it it it, it wasn't designed to appeal to women it was just designed to appeal to comics readers who wanted to read a good story some good stories um and the support i've had from um from female um readers who, who just really like the way the fact that the characters are presented and they are these strong female archetypes um without kind of resorting to the tna nonsense that's been that's been a really good um you know, it's been a great response to it. So, um, you know, Flintlock has gone from strength to strength on that. Really, I'm, I've I've just finished um, writing all the scripts for um, book five, uh, and they're all with the artists now. Um, no, so Flintlock has been a real a, a real great journey for me, and it's um, and it's led to other things as well, which 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 is always a great thing. That's amazing, incredible. incredible. And I love how, like, when you're telling us about that. You, listening to earlier parts of the conversation like you can hear where that affected this project and that and like different parts in your life that you've told us about if that makes sense it's oh yes yes very very much so i mean i think you know things always i think that's the thing it's it's one big it's always i mean it's a cliche that the word journey but it is it is like one big journey um and, and there's so many things that where you think actually that made a difference that made a difference, but as I mean certainly as, as a as a creator you should always be kind of evolving and changing and 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 
and moving forward, I think. And that, that's, that's a very important part of the whole creative process, I think. Learning from what you've done before, um, you know, using your own interests and your own experiences, building on those. I think that's such a key part of being being, being a creator in, in any medium, not just comics. That's amazing. I, I, I genuinely love that. And I love the fact that, you know, you've you've gained, you've, you've drawn in this female audience who are, who are attaching themselves to the character because I remember reading something quite a while ago and it was talking about when they made when marvel made miles morales um spider-man yeah and you know they gained a lot of young black kids reading and finding inspiration and you know absolutely loving this story because they saw themselves represented on the page which didn't really happen very often and it's awesome that you've put that out there in the indie world indie comic world for females to have that representation because let's be honest as you said there isn't much so it's really awesome that you know you've sort of championed that. Well, and the the, the thing is, it's kind of that's like a byproduct. That that's the thing you see. That there's never it's because it you should. I think it's never about starting to do it from a kind of social justice warrior perspective. It's doing something because it it, it kind of engages with you creatively. You think it'd be a really good idea, um, and you, then you hope other people will, th- will also think it's a it's, it's a great idea too. Um, and it just sees something as well that you know. Because a lot of the seventh, a lot of the seventeenth century kind of um, key kind of types of figures, uh, are figures that were that were very familiar with, we're familiar with Hiram and we're familiar with with pirates, uh, we're familiar with samurai, but very often they are presented as male characters. But historically, you would have female characters as well in those roles and i think that's one of the key things with flintlock as well that it is kind of um it, it you know it, it crosses over occasionally in, into into kind of steampunkish territory but for the most part it, it kind of um it follows what actually happened in history so um you know the books take take a long time to produce because there's a lot of research that goes into first to get the period right um I mean, but w- when it works, it, you know, it's great. To, and people seem to kind of respond to that. And in every, in each of the Flintlock books, there's, there's right at the back, there's um, there's some of the back matters in there. There's always a little kind of um, article on, on the, the true history that inspired the stories. So, for example, I mean, I've got um, the pirate character I've used in, in, in Flintlock is, is Shanti the Pirate Queen, who's a South, uh, a South Asian um pirate um uh, but the the inspiration for her came from ching shi who who was a real pirate queen um and she was actually the most successful pirate that ever existed and happened to be female she had a she had a fleet of over 1700 ships at the height of her powers um so in in one of the books that there's a there's a there's a biography of her at the back so you know when you 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 know people you, well, you've read the stories um but then you can read about the actual real incidents and the real people that um, inspired those stories. And I think that's the important as well. They keep, they keep it linked to that history. Um, I think the, the only kind of um, the, the, the blowback is that, is that because I'm so um, obsessed with the period, I forget sometimes that other people aren't so obsessed. Um, so I think, with, 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 and, and I think, and I think where, where that's come to form is, I mean, the artists, I mean, I've been lucky in all the artists I've worked with on Flintlock, they've all, but they're all brilliant. They're all really good artists, but, um, you know, the, they, <laughs> there were, there was, the guy, there's a guy called Anthony Summy. He, 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 he drew, um, Lady Flintlock, uh, for the, in the, in books one to three, he's an absolute fabulous artist, real classical style. And, um, I remember in, in, uh, when he did the art for episode two, he, he sent me through the pencils, and um, I I had to ask him to um, to redo a lot of the um, lot of the forest scenes, and the reason is because he he'd drawn the wrong type of tree in the forest because he'd drawn <laughs> he'd drawn the type of tree that wasn't introduced into English forests until after the 18th century, so yeah uh, yeah yeah redo this, the trees. Now I know you could possibly say, well, no one would have noticed that, but I noticed it. I was going to say so you would have noticed it. I, I, I you know, but he was very good about it. Um, but um, you know, so so it's those kind of things where. You know, well, that's the only thing with, with Flintlock. Sometimes I think it, it, it's 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 a it's a great project to do, uh, and I'm having a, a blast doing it. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, I, I feel sorry for some of the artists because they have to get 
the period right. And I think for one or two, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's over the years, there's been a few, last couple of years, there's been a few artists that have kind of um, approached me about being involved with Flintlock. And, you know, we've had a conversation, but then they've, they've backed away when they've realized that, you know, it's more than just drawing, you know, a few fight scenes. Um, but, but that, that's good. But one of the nice things about it as well, I mean, I mean, with Flintlock, I've had cosplayers and that's amazing. That, that's blown my mind. Oh, so that's I've awesome. had, you know, so, <clears throat> you know, when, when, when a couple of people come, you know, a couple of, couple of women turn up at the shows, and they're dressed up as Lady Flintlock and that with their pistols, I mean, pistols. And, and, and that's just mind blowing. Um, so, so, you know, there's been, there's been lots of nice things that have come out of it, but um, it, it's very much is, um, you know, me, me doing, doing my thing and hopefully people are kind of come along and in, enjoy the ride. That's amazing. I can only imagine the feeling seeing people walk over in cosplay as your characters. It, it, it is mind blowing. It really is. It's mind blowing. What do they say? Imitation is the finest form of flattery. That, that, that's it. That is it. Cosplay is. It's that come to life, isn't it? So, what's next for Time Bomb? What books have you got coming up? Well, it was, it's again. This is, goes back to how strange this year is, really, because you know it was all set for um, for twenty twenty to be quite a you know a really busy year. I mean, last year we had a we had a great year, and we were looking to capitalise on that. Um, so we we were going into um, twenty twenty expecting to release about seven or eight different books over the course of the year, um, and. The, the you know the global situations kind of tempered that somewhat so we've had to kind of reduce um, what what we got coming out uh, a little bit this year and then hopefully things will start coming back to normal towards the end of this year and and into next year um so i mean we just released the um an, another dick turpin book um which was the first dick turpin book i've done for a while um so that's kept that came out literally last last month um so dick turpin in the vengeful shade so it's dick turpin in, in in a in a haunted monastery basically um so that there's 56 page full color one shot um so that's that's come out and that, that's been received well um now we've got flintlock book five is, is on the cards hopefully that will be out this year um we got the second issue of brawler which is nearly nearly finished um we're just waiting for the last few pages of artwork to come in for that. And, and then that's pretty much good to go. Uh, we've got another volume of uh, Bomb Scares, which is the horror anthology we do. Um, and that's um, nearly finished as well. Um, so that's on the cards as well. Uh, we've also got, there's a, I know there's, a, there's four other um, graphic novels that are currently in production, which are written and drawn by other people. Um, so, that's all chugging along. So lots of things are kind of moving along at pace. So even, even though, you know, the, the shows, the shows have kind of stopped. Um, and because of the shows have stopped, it means we've kind of had to kind of um, slow, slow on our releases. The actual production of those books is still very much underway. So, um, so what it, what, what it will hopefully mean is that when we can kind of ramp things up again, then um, our, we'll be able to, release things relatively quickly because all the work is 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 still being done so um i think that that's that's going to be a bit of a mixed blessing there i think um and of course we're always looking at stuff as well so you know we get you know we're considering it's such a small little outfit and we i get a lot of submissions that come through and i'll be perfectly honest probably 95 percent of them are, are just not right for us at all um and of those and of those remaining five percent maybe 10% of those is something I might actually be, be interested in having, having a conversation about. So there's always kind of um, things that are coming in, which I'm looking at and, and having chats with, with, with potential kind of um, creators about. Um, but at the moment, the next thing I've got coming out, um, and this is, this is, a, this is actually a bit of a exclusive for you guys. So I don't think I've let anyone else know this um, is um, there were, there was a, there was a, a black and white comic that came out, in um the early 2000s i think well 2000 actually 2007 2008 not long after i'd started there was a there was a comic came out by these two guys called roger gibson and um um and 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 vincent danks and it was it went by the name of harker and it was a crime series i don't know if you guys are familiar with it at all um but um it was published black and white and um it was it was a bit like um one of those imagine someone like 
Inspector Morse or something like that, but in, in, in a comic kind of environment, but a lot better. Yeah. Um, and that, that was published, um, 12 issues they published. And then it was signed up by, by a big name publisher who then the big name publisher didn't do anything with it. Um, so basically it, it was, I, I've loved that comic for years. Um, and I was able to um, get hold of Harker and we're, we're bringing Harker back um, and we're, we're getting it, re- we're getting it coloured. And so we got Vince and Roger uh, on board for that. We're going to be bringing out the new, the, the Harker series, re- reprinting what was come, gone before in full colour, but then more excitingly moving on to brand new stories featuring those, those characters. Now, um, anyone, anyone that knows of Harker um, who remembered Harker will, 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 probably be quite excited about that because it was a great comic at the time it, it it was you know it was the indie press comic that was winning loads of awards at the time um because it really was a fantastic piece of work so we got that coming up as well over the next you know so that would be the should be hopefully be the next one coming out um where we where we print we reprint the, the original first three issues but we've got it colored um we remastered it and we'll be the idea will be bringing out a new volume every six months um for i think for the next two and a half two and a half to three years um so starting off with the stuff that come out um already and then moving over to the brand new stuff so quite excited to be working with uh, roger and, and vince on that that's amazing it's awesome to see that you've got so much stuff lined up as well so you know okay the world's come to a come to a bit of a pause at the minute but it's all still ch- churning along in the background well, I think that's the thing. I mean, it's always kind of, you know, um, it's not things, things haven't stopped. They, they, they've just slowed down a bit, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's the key thing. I mean, yeah, it's a shame that they're not, are not doing the conventions because, you know, I was average. I mean, I was averaging about 25 conventions a year. So, um, wow. so it, it's a big, it's a big, um, you know, um, change not to be doing them. But, um, you know, the, the thing is, We'll get the book, getting the books done, putting the books together, and hopefully, when when they are released, people will enjoy them and read them. So, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Just a couple last more quick questions. I just want to say, any advice you could give for upcoming writers, people that are thinking, you know, I reckon I could do this. Like any advice you give them, being someone, you know, how is it you said just named yourself a veteran in the community <laughs> well someone else named me a veteran yeah yeah i've got their name i know where they live i'll, I'll we'll be having words but um, the, um i mean i mean it applies really you know you said about writing but it applies to artists as well i think and start don't overextend don't don't start small um you you could you can learn so much from doing a four five six page story uh, than doing some multi-part mega epic so hone your craft start small i think that's a really important thing to, to, to be able to do if you if you can tell a really good satisfying story or draw a great story in four or five pages or or even less <coughs> then you'll easily be able to do something larger um because all the all the techniques that you need you'll use in over the uh, in a short story so i think that that's that's one thing um that you need to um need to do is is just don't start too big don't give yourself too big a mountain to climb because i think sometimes um you can decide you want to embark on something something great um but you'll never get to the end and you need to have some you need to be able to complete something and see it as a finished piece of work uh, and then move on to the next thing um the, the the big mega epics they'll still be waiting for you but start small i think that's a really important thing to do i think as well another thing um is to i mean i, I talked about the the community the comics community uh, about being welcoming and it really is so uh, another thing is is embrace that community get to know the people in the kid just to have conversations you know um not everyone will want to be your best friend yeah but most people will quite happily have a conversation with you or if you drop them drop them a line through social media they'll happily have a bit of a chat get to know the community okay embrace the community the community will embrace you back there's lots of kind of people who've got a lot of knowledge and they're happy to share um and the other thing really is just enjoy it 
I mean, and that's the thing, you know, enjoy what you're doing. If you're not enjoying it, stop. Okay. Don't beat yourself up over it. Just move on. Um, but you know, the idea is, you, you know, as a creator, yes, you're, you're doing, you're com- you know, creating some, some piece of work and you might be putting all blood, sweat and tears into it. But ultimately you need to enjoy what you're doing. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, it's kind of pointless doing it. Um, so I think that's really the, the other thing. I know the only other thing as well is really, and this really applies to comics is understand what comics are about. Now, what I mean, what I mean by that is understand how comics work in the same way is that, you know, if you decided you were going to be, um, a master baker, yeah, before you, 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 you built your, your 15 tier wedding cake, you would spend some time learning how, um, how mixtures work together, how different flowers work, how, how, how flavor balances and combinations can have an effect. Learn how comics work because the way that comics work is very different to any other medium. So spend some time understanding the theory before you put it into practice. Now I always recommend, um, a book um, called understanding comics by a guy called Scott McLeod, um, which has been through, it's been reprinted a few times. And I'm sure it's easily available on Amazon. Um, it's a fantastic book because um, it tells you how comics work. There's a lot of things that are going on, on in comics um, and how, how they're read um, and, the, and the way that the brain kind of um, takes them on board. And if you understand how that works, you can use those to kind of, when you, when you, creating comics yourself um so understanding comics by scott mcleod read it let it become your bible because <coughs> you'll learn more from that book than you will from a whole host of other things and it will only improve the quality of the work which you yourself put out i guess those would be my my bits of advice i suppose wow Steve, thank you so much for coming on. I love nothing more than speaking to someone who is so incredibly passionate about what they do. I absolutely love it. I, I you know, this might as this whole chat might as well just been the Steve show. We barely got a word in edgeways, and that is not a bad thing, my friend. I love it <laughs> so much because there's nothing worse than you know asking someone a question like, "Yeah, it's great." You know, <laughs> I love it. I love all that passion. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for inviting us on. Before you get out of it, please plug social media, websites, shops, whatever you've got. Just let people know what they are. Okay. Well, the, 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 I guess the, the best one would be the um, the website, which is uh, timebombcomics.com. Nice and easy to remember. And it's got the online shop on there. So everything is available through the online shop. Um, all the prices on the online store it all already include kind of postage. So there's no kind of add-ons put on there. Um, we also then have um, a Time Bomb Comics page on uh, Facebook. There's a Twitter account as well, um, which is Time Bomb. Um, you can find us. And, and of course, you know, I'm Steve Tanner. You can easily find me on social media. Um, if anyone wants to link up with me personally, I've got no problem with that. Um, so, but you know, and if you ever see me at a show, when do shows start up, you can usually recognize me because I'm, I'm the old guy in the really colorful jacket. That's probably the easiest way. You've got to stand down in a crowd, mate. No, if you know, if you, if you go to a convention and you say, Oh, you know, the guy in the jacket, yeah, they, they'll point you to me. They'll know. Okay. Um, just come across and say hello. Because um, I said, it, it, you know, it's always good to meet new people. It's always good to have a chat. That's amazing. Um, did I did mean to ask a do? Sorry. Um, people that wanted to send their projects to for you to have a look at to consider, where would they send them to? Again, the website would be the best place to start um, because that's also got a submission guidelines on there. What I would say is read them. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to say, but, you know, because um, <laughs> the guidelines are really, really simple, really straightforward. But the amount of times we don't get any, we get the stuff through and they clearly haven't followed the guidelines. And anything that comes through that hasn't followed the guidelines, um, we, 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 I don't even, we don't even look at. Yeah, we, we, we just dismiss it straight away. Um, so follow, follow really the guidelines there. You can also, and you can submit then through the website to us. Um, but I mean, I, I think the thing is like with it, like with any kind of, uh, comics publisher, understand the kind of stuff they're doing first. Okay. Um, so rather than just come blindly send, sell, set, send stuff in, just make sure you're targeting the right kind of company. Um, we don't do superheroes. 
Okay. Um, so we're not interested in anything which is superheroes. Um, and so, so understand a bit more what we do and make sure that, you know, you follow our guidelines and we'll have a look at it and we'll come back to you. Wonderful. Again, Steve, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for letting us take up so much of your time. <laughs> no, thank you. Pl- it's been a pleasure. True pleasure. True inspiration, Steve. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed it. All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Berry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, the Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. Oh.